0: We're celebrating the Compassion Clinic yesterday. It was an amazing day. It was an effort of seven churches coming together. That's right. We thank God for everything He's doing. If you've never heard of the Compassion Clinic, we had over a hundred volunteers. I was looking around from Grace. I saw a physician, I saw a dentist, a nurse physical therapist, and then we had so many people in support roles and welcoming people. There was resources, there was food there, Uh, all kinds of stuff provided for the community against the unity that we want to live out together. Seven churches coming together to meet needs, serve people, and glorify Jesus. So let's thank everyone that (laughs) served yesterday at the Compassion (laughs) Clinic. We want to read God's Word and then be doers together. And that's what events like Compassion Clinic are all about. God is transforming lives. We celebrate another baptism today and the next service. If you're here and you're interested in baptism, just... Text the word baptism to the church phone number. We're so grateful how more people are turning to the Lord, deciding they want to follow the Lord. And after you decide to follow Jesus, water baptism is the next step. So we're going to celebrate next service. Also, this week, you probably noticed what's happening around the building. We're getting ready for the main event. That's right. The main event is this week. What does that mean? There's about 300 kids going to be coming here all week long. 300 kids, including a lot of kids in the community that don't go to church. Their parents don't know Jesus. They're coming here to experience God, great relationships. There's about 165 people in our church family who are going to be here all week serving. Can we give it up to the team that's going to be here? And we all play an important role together. Please continue to pray. Pray for Jackie as she's leading this week. Pray for all the conversations that are gonna happen, the worship, the activities. So much happens in one week in this place. We look forward to this week every year. This is the week, the main event. Let's remember to pray this week and we'll watch what God will do. Today, we're in Psalm 32. You can open up. If you brought a Bible, let us know if you need a Bible or on your phone, find Psalm 32. This series of refreshment and many of the Psalms are from David's life. Today, the focus is on God's forgiveness and God's restoration. God's restoration for us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for all the good gifts and blessings you provide. And we seek you together right now. Jesus, we wanna be faithful to you. God, you have our attention. God, you have our worship, our devotion today. We need you, God, to empower us, to give us clarity, give us courage today. And God, we pray that you would bring healing. We know there's joy and healing in your presence. So as we draw near to you, God, we pray you would heal and restore in this place right now on many levels. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. God wants to restore you. And the Bible says there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. There's no limits with God. And our role is to return to God, and God is the one who restores. God brings refreshment. And when you hear the word refresh, what do you think about? This time of year in the summer, you might think about jumping into a cool lake on a hot day. Or maybe for you, exercise is refreshing. Or time with friends your, your favorite beverage is refreshing. More sleep, a vacation. just to relax would be refreshing, because things have been intense lately. God refreshes in many ways. And in the Bible there's also a spiritual refreshment that comes with repentance, and God brings restoration. How many of you experienced a deep restoration in your life that you know God provided and was so timely? And you could just thank him and tell the story of the restoration that he's brought through his presence and power, his hope, and his love. That's what David's doing in Psalm 32, David's story right here. David's going to share in testimony time. If we had an open mic right now, and we just opened it up for anyone who wants to share a story of restoration, David's coming forward, he's going to take the open mic, and he's got something to share why? Because when God works in your life, there's times to give an open public testimony. And that's not easy to do, because David's going to talk about his low points and his high points. When you think about your story, it includes low points, it includes high points. Those form a great outline for the story that you can tell other people of how God's worked in your life. David's not going to dance around the low points He's going to go there and be honest about where he is in the darkest moments of his life and what he did in terms of rebellion and drifting from God. But he's also going to talk about God's restoration in this story and in this testimony. Would you agree that it's good to hear stories and testimonies? And aren't you grateful for people that become transparent and just tell you how it really is? You don't have to try too hard to see this story. David's gonna lay it out very clearly and it inspires us to lay out our testimony with different people, whether it's one-on-one or family or friends and sometimes with a bigger group as well. David's going public. We're all gonna read this testimony and this is one of the penitential psalms. Well, what does that mean? It's a psalm of returning to God. How do you return to God when you've been wandering? It's a psalm that includes repentance and confession. Maybe you've been wrestling with why is repentance and confession so good? How could repentance be refreshing in our lives? Let's see what God does in David's life and I believe it's the same God who wants to work in our lives this morning as well. Three reasons today why repentance is so refreshing. Now we're gonna start in Psalm 32 in verse one. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. The first reason why confession is good is because unconfessed sin is a blessing blocker. Unconfessed sin blocks blessings. And David describes it here. He shares in three words, and these are the three most common words talking about rebellion in the Bible. The first one's sin. Sin means to miss the mark. It was an archery term. You're going for a target, you missed the target, you've missed the mark, sin. That's one term. The next is iniquities. Iniquities, perversion, twisted, bent behavior. And the third word is transgression. This is willful disobedience and rebellion. When you know it's rebellion and you're gonna do it anyways. Sin, iniquities, transgression, Different words in the Bible, all describing how we go against God and we go against God's standard and His word, and all of us need restoration. All of us need repentance. We sin every day, we return to God. We need a deep repentance and a deep restoration in our lives. We can understand and relate to David. David admits here that he's playing the game of under the carpet. Under the carpet. How much is under the carpet? David, if you looked under the carpet in his life, you would see impurity, adultery, lying, deception, manipulation, and murder. David has a lot under the carpet. Have you been putting anything under the carpet lately? When David plays this game with God of trying to put things underneath the carpet, it hits him on many levels. He describes physically, it's like my strength was sapped. It's like a plant in the scorching sun that's starting to wither. There were difficulties with my body. I just started to lose physical strength. I felt like my body was wasting away. Have you ever rebelled against God and you can feel it physically? Well, what about emotionally? I felt burdened. I lost my vibrancy. It's really hard to be in the middle of sin and secret sin and hidden sin and be vibrant spiritually. Well, you just can't. You feel burdened and weighed down and you lose that joy. What about relationally? There was distance. He started to put walls up. Anyone who hides sin has walls up. They're hoping you don't come and look at the carpet so they've got the walls up. You know, it's really hard to get close to someone who's not being real. It's really hard, isn't it? To get close with someone who's not being real. It affects our relationships. And then spiritually, that distance from God, that gap, when you play games with God, there's a gap there. God won't be mocked. And David thinks he's so smooth, he's got it all underneath the carpet. It's not unique to David. We can relate to a cover-up. It started with Adam and Eve after they sinned. They were playing the game under the carpet. What issues? It's all fine. We took care of it. We fixed it. They're playing a game with God, some hide-and-seek with God. God sees through it. Adam and Eve, things are not fine. Things are not fixed. Just because you've got a little covering and you realize your nakedness. No, in fact, you need Jesus. And it was a foreshadowing of that first sacrifice. See, America right now, we couldn't walk around and say, everything's fine, everything's fixed, we're all good here. No, there's a time in America now, it's a call to return to God. Christians in the land can't walk around saying everything in church is smooth, everything's fixed, everything's under the carpet, nobody notices anything these days. No, Christians, it's time instead of finger pointing to get on our knees. It's time to lift up that carpet and come into the light. You say, well, what happens? What's underneath that carpet? If we lift up the carpet, here's what's usually underneath it. The subtle, the sneaky, the silent, and the secret sins you know the sneaky sins there's some that are obvious and it's easy to point those out what other people are doing but this is sneaky stuff that david's doing would you agree that you can be a follower of jesus and be really sneaky we all have the potential to be highly sneaky i started to get specific because some people like sneaky i'm not sneaky there's nothing sneaky in my life Well, here's some sneaky sins. Uh, One is laziness. Laziness is sneaky. Gossip is sneaky. Lame excuses, sneaky. Porn, sneaky. Envy, sneaky. Complaining. Few people go public, but usually it's kind of sneaky. Drunkenness, drugs, addictions. A lot of people are sneaking during the week and then showing up and talking real spiritual. Like everything's fine. Half-truths and lies, sneaky. Selfishness is sneaky. Not keeping our word, sneaky. Resentment and unforgiveness, sneaky. Being two-faced, working it. Sneaky. Pride can be sneaky. This is what goes under the carpet in our lives. There's self-deception and rationalization. We walk around saying, I didn't eat any cookies. I didn't have any cookies. And there's chocolate crumbs on our mouth and our chin and our shirt. And people know there's some chocolate going on here. So I didn't have any cookies. And we try to stay in isolation and anonymity. Let me try to find a church big enough where there's no accountability. I can just slick in and slip out, and it'll be big enough. I can hide. Let me just stay in my own isolation. I don't really want to get connected in a life group. I don't really want to be honest about where I'm at. I'll just quote a few Bible verses and just kind of anonymity and isolation. That's the devil's playground. The devil is under the carpet saying, don't lift the carpet. Don't lift this carpet. Keep the carpet down. Everything is fine. And we live in that kind of isolation and a lie. Accountability brings purity. God's design for all of us is accountability. He brings it through his word, ultimately to him. He brings it through friends. He brings it when we're open. We can lie our way through it or we can welcome accountability. But accountability brings purity. We all need accountability. It comes into the light. Where you conceal, there's confusion. Watch where confusion breaks out. Someone's concealing something. Because God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of clarity. With purity comes clarity. With integrity comes clarity. With concealing, you got confusion. Which road do you want to go down? Love rejoices with the truth. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs 28, 13 encourages us. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. God's mercy is greater than our sin. God's grace is greater than our sin. If you conceal and you slip it under the carpet, it blocks your blessings. But when you open up to God and receive his mercy and grace, there's restoration. It's a process that God wants to walk us through. It always is aligned with truth. Love rejoices with the truth. God is always on the side of truth. Jesus is the truth. The word of God is truth. Jesus says the word is always true. So walk in truth. God's blessings flow where there's a deep radical commitment to truth. Where you're committed to truth, that's where God honors it. Be a best friend of truth. Walk in truth. Trust truth. Don't water down to truth. When you water down the truth, you hurt your relationship with God and other people. Don't shrink back on truth. Share it in love. Be full of love, but make sure you walk in the truth. This is what happens when God brings restoration. God sends somebody. For David, and this is a whole other message, but God sent Nathan. God will send a Nathan with a courageous conversation to bring restoration. Courageous conversations often precede restoration. David didn't want anything to do with what's under the carpet, but God sent Nathan to come alongside, and as Nathan comes alongside, David realizes what he's doing. He comes to his senses. You see, it's Nathan to David, David to God, David publicly. That's the restoration process. God sends somebody. God sends Nathan to David. Now David hears Nathan, and he turns to God, and he gets right with God. We can get right with God today. And when that happens, God's restoration flows, and then David now has a song of deliverance and a testimony, and that's the sequence, Nathan to David, David to God, David to us today don't stop God's process of healing and restoration in truth and returning to him and walking in the light. David, God has not given up on you. And you need to hear today, it doesn't matter how much is in your past. It doesn't matter how much you walked in today. God has not given up on you. The story is not over. Our God restores. Our God can restore what you're going through today. It's testimony time. Initiate, that's what Nathan does. There's a breakthrough, there's a courageous conversation, there's conviction, and God brings restoration. God brings restoration. It leads to the second part. We don't want blocked blessings in our life. Amen. Who wants to block the blessings of God? We don't want that. And so, God leads us to this deep deliverance. And this is the restoration that David describes in verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Notice, God forgives sin. God also takes away the guilt and the shame of sin. It's a both and. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. A deep deliverance, a deep restoration. There's no healing until there's a revealing. If David doesn't wanna reveal and get honest, God's healing isn't coming. Do you know how many people are stuck? They'll even with a friend, a counselor, a little lie, a little cover up, They don't want to bring it openly. If you don't bring it openly, you're not inviting God to come in. So if you play the game of it's not really there, rationalization, a few excuses, a little blame on them, you're not going to experience the full restoration because you'll hold on to grudges and you're you're living in deception. You've got to bring it to the Lord and say, here I am. Here it is. That's what David does. Honesty and take responsibility. God, I take responsibility for what I said, what I thought, what I did. I take responsibility for holding on to guilt and shame. I take responsibility for going back to the same sin. I take responsibility for the cover-up game. God, I'm taking responsibility right here. I'm not including any other names but my name. In honesty, acknowledging sin, no more carpets. And what happens? We turn to Jesus who forgives all our sin, died on the cross. We turn to Father God and he restores, he's a God of comfort and compassion. We turn to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit delivers, because the one who's in us is greater than the one who's in the world. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice restoration, forgiveness, and deliverance, very conditional. We have choices. Every choice, there's a consequence, good or bad. We have a role. We return to God, he brings the restoration. It's conditional. If you follow Jesus, you put your trust in him as Savior and Lord, you have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But if you reject Jesus, then for eternity, you're separated from God. You see, it's not only eternity in heaven, but daily. You abide with Jesus, you turn to him, God moves in power. But you stubborn, 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 you're not going to experience that full deliverance. So there's choices for all of us. It's conditional. Let's unpack the word repentance because I think repentance in the Bible is a word that brings great refreshment. But sadly, it's misunderstood and sometimes it's a partial understanding of the word repentance. So I like to lay it out in three parts. Repentance is so much more than just feeling a little bit bad about the situation or the consequences. It's more than just a quick, hey, I'm sorry about that. Repentance is so much more If that's your view of repentance, you're just gonna say sorry to people and do the same stuff. You're just gonna um, uh, feel a little bad you didn't like the consequences or how things were taken, but you're not really gonna have the deep life change and the healing that God wants to bring. It's important to know what repentance is. Repentance is a change that includes commitment. And it's okay to get help. It's okay to come to a pastor or a parent. It's okay to come to a grandparent or a counselor and say, I need some help with this repentance. I desire restoration, I desire healing, I'm stuck, and I need some help. And there's no shame in that. God never turns away someone with a contrite, humble heart. Never turns away someone with a humble heart. I gotta say that again, God never turns away someone who has a humble heart. Well, what is repentance? There's three parts I wanna highlight with repentance. The first is behavior, and usually people take this as all of repentance. Behavior is a change of action. That's important, to change the action. The second, which is a little deeper, is belief. Belief is a change of the mind. What are you believing? And the third, this is, I say, behold, because this is your view of God, and this is a change of heart. The laws of the land don't change your heart, but the love of God does. A good view of God will change your heart, but a lot of external things won't. So these three levels, let's think about that together. There's behavior, belief, and then behold. Let's get real specific, and let's say that someone's lying. That's their behavior. I think we'd all agree there's over 20 shades of lying right, from a little deception to full-on deception, then everything in between, half lies, three-quarter lies, like part lies, like there's all kinds of lying, but lying's a behavior that doesn't honor God because he's always in the truth. So if that's someone's behavior, they can say, I'm gonna stop lying and then try harder on some behavior modification. That might result in some change in behavior, but they're not really going to the deeper areas of repentance. What does that look like? Well, behavior is lying, but now let's look at belief. What's the belief underneath the behavior of lying? Here's the belief. I've gotten away with it most of the time. It really smooths things out. I protect myself. I protect other people. People don't even know I'm doing it. When I believe those things... I'm gonna go back to lying again. I'm gonna go back to twisting. I'm gonna go back to playing games, deceiving the people around me. Why? Because I haven't changed my beliefs. And then, let's move further. Behold, what's your view of God? When you're telling lies, believing lies, what's your view of God? When you lie, you're saying, God, you're not really trustworthy. I don't think you can handle these results, God. God, I have a very small view of you. I trust you in the simple things, but when things get difficult, God, I take matters into my own hands because I know better than you, so that's why I lie. Do you see the repentance that's needed? It's not just, whoo, I'm gonna try to lie a few less times this week. Hope that goes well. I told you I'm trying hard not to lie. No, I've gotta go deeper and say, well, this is what I'm actually believing underneath my behavior and it's tied to my view of God. So what needs to change more than anything? My view of God, that he's trustworthy, that I can tell the truth because he's a God of truth and he's bigger than my mind can even conceive. And you know what, if the cost is high, the cost is high, but I'm gonna walk in truth because I see God and I wanna walk with God and I wanna be in the light. And then that helps me to move back to my beliefs and say, you know what? I don't believe lying's best. I don't believe twisting is best. I don't believe deception's best. Even though it might be a short-term, whoo, thought I smoothed things over, ultimately it's not where I want to be. I don't believe that. I want to honor God. And now I get the behavior and it's like, oh, lying's starting to look a little more disgusting to me because I see what it does and I'm changing I know whose I am, I know what I believe, and so my behavior's now gonna line up with my faith and my beliefs, and I'm gonna repent, God, I'm gonna turn to you for who you really are, change and renew my mind through scripture, and I'm gonna start to walk different, and that'll be the overflow and the fruit. <laughs> Amen? Isaiah 55, verses six and seven. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. The imagery is that the waters are rising. In the image in our minds, we can easily think of Noah in the flood. And what happens as Noah builds that ark, there's an opportunity, turn to God. Turn to God while he may be found. Turn to God before the floods come. Turn to God before it's too late. Turn to God today. Don't harden your heart. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. We say, well, he built a great ship. He did, he was listening to God how to do that. But he's also someone who's courageously speaking. Let your words and your actions always tell the same story. And to a generation that was going the wrong direction, Noah continued to say, seek God while he may be found. Don't wait till it's too late. God gives a pardon, God sets free, God brings peace, God brings blessing when we're teachable. David says songs of deliverance. May God give us a fresh vision of restoration. What area of your life do you need restoration today? In what vision of restoration is God giving you? For your marriage, your family, your parents, in our community, in our church family, in your life group. What is your vision for restoration? No vision? It's time to receive God's vision from his word. God gives a vision of restoration. There's hope, David. You don't have to keep stuffing things under the carpet. There's a vision of restoration. And then with that, as David's teachable, there's an acceleration. David's been stuck for years Some of us in this room have been stuck for years in dead religion, and when God gives fresh vision, there's an acceleration, there's a quickening of the Holy Spirit, there's a conviction, there's hope, there's movement, there's change. The more teachable we are, the more the Holy Spirit moves. And then there's celebration. David gets to that point where he's celebrating. I'm celebrating the song of deliverance that my God took me from there to here. He gave me a vision of what could still be. I could still be a man after God's own heart. And God quickened it. And I said yes to God. And he overcame the manipulation and the lying and the murder and the adultery and the impurity. He restored my life. That's how God moves. And David is saying in the psalm, it is so good. It is like his heart's plea in this testimony. It is so good. God's restoration is so, so good. I hope when you read Psalm 32, you're just hearing a man who's describing for thirsty souls where to get living water, where refreshment truly is. There is refreshment for your soul today. It is so good, David says, to go there. God delivers him many times from his enemies. God delivers him from the tragedies and difficulties of life in temptation. God delivers him from the patterns of sin in his life. God delivers in so many ways God is a restorer, and now David is bringing a message of restoration, a message of hope, and a process of restoration that we can enter into today. God is a restorer. That's who we worship right now, and David concludes with a triumphant trust. He's celebrating by trusting God. He says in verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. There's a tone of triumph here. There's a rhythm and a purpose that's returned to David's life. This is how it works in scripture and this is how it works in relationship with God. When God brings you hope, then you give hope to other people. When God brings you money, then you receive that money and you also give money generously to other people. When God brings you salvation and the forgiveness of sins, then you share the good news with other people so they can experience a relationship with God. When God brings you encouragement, you encourage other people. What David is saying is now I'm receiving grace and hope and mercy and I wanna share that so more people can experience grace, hope, and mercy from God. That's the rhythm and the purpose that he discovers. It's part of the restoration. And his plea is, don't be stubborn like mules. Has anyone spent time with a stubborn donkey or horse? Does anyone have a pet that is stubborn? Does anyone else struggle with walking their dog besides me? I mean, I've been training Bella for five years, and it's like she hasn't heard anything sometimes when we go for a walk, right? Animals, sometimes they dig their heels in, and it's like, nope, I know you've told me this for five years, but I'm not budging, I'm not changing, this is how I do it. David is saying, please don't be like that. Don't be like that. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't lose too much. Don't lose much, too much time, too much joy, too much peace, too many quality relationships. Don't lose too much, but instead return to God. You're missing out on his refreshment. And David said, here's the new song, blessed. The word blessed, and I know it sounds like a churchy word, a little bit of stained glass word, blessed. It means, oh, how happy. Oh, how exuberant I am because of the forgiveness of God. Oh, how grateful I am. Oh, how joyful I am because of the grace and goodness of God, because of the promises of God. I can't contain it. I can't drop my pen. I've got to write this down. I can't keep my mouth silent. I've got to give him praise. How blessed I am to be forgiven. I will celebrate God's forgiveness in my life. That's where David is at this point. You say, how could the same guy who's doing cover-up for years, fake for years, acting like everything's fine, how could he get to that point where it's authentic praise and gratitude and all-out celebration? It's because God's restorative power. And this is how God directs David. He instructs him, teaches him, counsels him. David says, I have moral clarity. Isn't moral clarity a good thing? In a culture that's twisting things around, moral clarity, I've got spiritual discernment. I'm vibrant again. When we use the word trust, In the Bible, trust and belief is what you're doing with the chair right now. You're putting your full weight on the chair. You're fully trusting the chair. And the word trust includes obeying. To trust God is to obey God. If someone says, I trust God, but I don't obey God, they're not really trusting God. Trust is always obey. So you see it in someone's life if they trust God because there's a life of obedience and fruit of abiding with and trusting Jesus. But when you don't trust Jesus, you don't have that same fruit. To trust is to obey. We're not gonna get any deeper than trust or obedience with God. We're not gonna go deeper in our Christian walk than trusting God and obeying God. That's God's call in our life to be faithful. Well, does that mean we're perfect? No, it doesn't. There's a description of the elders in the Bible, and God lays out the blueprint in the roadmap for every local church, and he lays it out. It includes elders. Well, who are elders? Elders are people, and it's their character that what counts. Elders in the Bible, the description of an elder is there's no glaring sin, not a cover up, but if you look at their life, they're above reproach. If someone's glaring with the sin, if someone has a big pile under the carpet, they don't qualify to be an elder. Well, what does that mean? Does everyone else just sit back and say, "Woo, good job, elders, good job? No, the Bible wants us all, God wants us all to walk with God above reproach, nothing under the carpet, right? We just walk, no glaring sin. We've invited God's presence. Say, how does that happen? The only way it happens is if you open the doors of your life and say, come in, Holy Spirit, Because apart from you, there's going to be junk. But if I open the doors and say, come in, God, the king of glory, come in. God's going to start to repair and restore and the light is going to shine. And that's available for all of us, not just a couple of elders in a church. So we aspire to honor God, to trust God. Galatians 5.1 says it this way. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God wants us to have freedom. Sin is not freedom. This culture says do whatever you want and that's freedom. No, sin is a burden. Sin saps your strength. Sin affects your relationships. That's not freedom, but Christ came. He died for our sins so that we could walk in freedom. He paid a high price. He did shed his blood. He did take our place, not only so we'll have eternal forgiveness, but daily we can walk in the freedom. He came to set captives free. He doesn't want to see us loaded down by hidden sin and secret sin and sneaky sin. We can walk upright with God through Jesus. The emphatic at the end of this psalm, the emphasis is on God. Because God who you are and because of God's faithfulness and mercy, because all God has done, because of God's love, praise is the climax. The climax of our lives is praise. The restoration process, the crescendo is praise. You are designed to praise God. And when you step out of sin, you will never praise God more because sin always holds back your praise. We are designed to worship. We will spend an eternity worshiping God, worshiping God through the way we live and treat each other and act, and also through our praise, through our stories of restoration. May Grace Community Church be full of stories of restoration, praise of what God has done in our lives The places we've been, the places we're now, and the places God is taking us. The healing that God has done, the deliverance that God has done, making us more like Jesus. We are his bride looking forward to his return and we give him praise and honor. You are made to give God praise and sin will always hold you back from worship. Don't let it return to God and give him praise. It's emphatic right here. The blessings of restoration. We don't want God's goodness blocked in our lives, his presence. We don't wanna grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't wanna do that. Instead, a deep deliverance and a triumphant trust. You know, when you think about David, you might say, well, wasn't he the greatest king that Israel ever had? Yeah, human king, many would say he was. Well, wasn't he the one that wrote the Bible? Isn't he the one that came up with the songs, this murdering adulterous man? Isn't he the one who wrote these holy songs? Yeah, that was his turnaround. He wrote the Bible. His prayers continue to inspire us today. He's a man after God's own heart. But don't miss the fullness of David's story. It's the same person in a different David. It's the same person in a different David. You're the same person, but God's doing something different in your life. The same God who restored David is here today to restore you and I and us together. The same God. Are there people who don't want to be restored? Pharaoh didn't want to be restored. Judas didn't want to be restored. Restoration's a choice. God offers mercy and grace, healing and pardon. Not everyone wants it. But Peter was restored after denying Jesus. Paul was restored after killing Christians. Mary Magdalene was restored after having demons and darkness in her life. David was restored on a list of sins and things under the carpet that were kind of astounding. God restores. Nothing's too difficult for God. So, where does it start? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that's where it starts. You can make the decision right now to follow the Lord. No one else can make this decision for you. But you can make the decision right now. I'm going to give a couple invitations right now. I'm going to give an invitation to put your trust in Jesus for the first time. I'm going to give an invitation to recommit. And I'm going to give an invitation to repent. And I'm just going to ask for a show of hands when I give that invitation. And then you pray to God. Is anyone here today that wants to follow Jesus for the first time? You'd say, I'm ready. I know I need the forgiveness of my sins for eternity. And I'm ready today. You just lift up your hand and say, I want to make a decision today to follow Jesus. You don't have to say anything or do anything. You just lift up your hand and acknowledge that you're following Jesus. Very good. Very good. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each person here and online that's making a decision to follow you. There's no greater gift or miracle than salvation. Jesus, you already purchased it. We receive it. You've achieved it. It's a gift. And thank you for your grace. Thank you for your promise. Thank you that you died for our sins and you're risen. We give you praise, God. We give you praise. I'm gonna ask if anyone's here today ready to recommit. You know, David's story is maybe convicting and you wanna recommit to the Lord. Uh, You just raise your hand. I wanna pray for you. If you're here and you know you wanna recommit, just keep your hand up. That's right. You see some hands there. Anyone else just know today's a day, I see another hand. I want to recommit to God. I want to come back home. I want to come back home. I don't want a carpet. I don't want to pile on the carpet. I see more hands. I'm not playing that game anymore. I'm here fully to worship God, to return to God, all the hands that are raised. God thank you for each one. It's recommitting to you. God, this is an important day, an important time right now. God, whenever you convict us, it's a gift. And with conviction, there's not guilt and shame, but there's a call. There's a call for restoration. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are raising their hands and saying yes to your restoration, your healing process, God, your renewal today, you're breaking free of sin. God, in our lives, that repentance that's so refreshing. God, bless each one with refreshment. Take away the guilt and the shame, God, and the negative thought patterns. And I pray the sin would look different. God, a view of you would be returning in all of your goodness. And thank you, God, when we recommit, you run out to greet us. I pray that that image would be in their hearts and souls today. No shame, not carrying shame, but God, you're running out to welcome home. God, we thank you. And uh, before we, we praise the Lord, also just a time of repentance. Just raise your hand if there's something specific today. You don't have to say anything that you know you wanna repent from. Just raise your hand if there's a specific area. Yeah, see, lots of hands, lots of hands. That's right. We can be honest to church. We can be honest to church. It's good to be honest. Many, many hands. God, this is a time of repentance right now. You brought to our minds the specific beliefs about you beliefs about life, ways we've treated other people, things we're doing in silence, falling far short of our potential, going back to destructive patterns. God, we proclaim today that sin is cruel and we know that there's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. God, you are not a God of confusion. You make it so clear that you are faithful and just and when we return to you, you will purify us. God, we thank you for purity and integrity that's returning today in this room. We thank you that your grace is greater than our sin. God, we want to walk in the light, walk in the newness, Jesus, of who you are and your goodness in our lives. Jesus, we wanna glorify you, we wanna praise you, we wanna unite, we wanna love our neighbors, we wanna use our gifts, we wanna come alive. God, may your joy, that spiritual vibrancy, God, those blessings, may they come back today as we say yes and receive your restoration. Receive your restoration. God, guide us through this with a fresh vision, guide us through with our stories, our testimonies, that we would not stay silent, but we would declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Guide us who to share it with. We're not ashamed of you, Jesus, or the work you're doing in our lives. We're walking forward as a church family. We're moving forward in faith, forward in unity, forward in your grace and mercy. God, we look forward to what you're gonna do. We renew today the joy of our salvation in you, Jesus, is being renewed today with gratitude, God, for a new start and new hope we receive, and we're ready. We're ready to glorify you together. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.